to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Like so many women, you may have tried everything your dermatologist could give you and everything you could get over the counter from your pharmacy, from benzoyl peroxide to antibiotics to Retin-A, maybe even Accutane for your acne, and still you find yourself breaking out premenstrually or living with acne all the time. Well, acne is something we tend to think of as making our teenagers' lives miserable, and for many young women, it certainly does. It also plagues many women well into their adult lives. Called post-adolescent acne, or adult female acne, one large study found that approximately one half of women in their 20s, one quarter of women in their 30s, and more than 10% of women in their 40s still have clinically significant acne. Some women even experience a brief flare during perimenopause due to hormonal shifts during that time, after which acne is usually finally done for good. If it's moderate to severe, acne can really be taking a toll on you emotionally and mentally. It causes women to skip school or work, pass on social occasions, cancel dates, and feel horribly self-conscious. It can lead to moderate and even severe depression. But even mild acne breakouts and flare-ups can be distressing in a culture that places so much value on women's appearance. The good news is that there are more options to choose from than just more medications and endless topical treatments that can actually dry your skin and can really add up in cost too. Studies do offer us insights into often overlooked underlying causes of hormonal acne in adult women. These point to the need for what I call a total ecosystem approach to our health, which includes understanding deeper layers of how hormone imbalances arise, including things like disruptions in our detoxification pathways and gut microbiome that are responsible for breaking down and eliminating estrogen. Inflammation, important dietary and lifestyle contributions like insulin resistance, being low in nutrients important for skin health and hormone balance, exposure to environmental endocrine disruptors, and also factors that can alter the microflora in the skin, all combined with our genetic predispositions too. While this approach is not an overnight solution, hormonal acne can be very responsive to a more integrative approach, which your doctor probably never learned to take, and which can lead to lasting changes over time. In this episode of Natural MD Radio, welcome back, I'll share what we know about the underlying causes that can contribute to hormonal acne and the steps you can take to learn to heal hormonal acne from the inside out so you can feel at peace in your skin again. If you are out and about in the world, riding your bike, having a run, driving your car, even washing the dishes, remember, I always give you a corresponding article to go with the Natural MD Radio episodes that have a lot of heavy information in them that you'll want to look back at later. So don't feel like you have to hit pause on anything you're doing. Just Keep on going, enjoy, relax, listen, and when you're ready to look at the details, you can head over to avivaram.com forward slash 144. That's the number 144 for episode 144 of Natural MD Radio. Let's take a look at the underlying causes of hormonal acne. 
As common as hormonal acne is, surprisingly, doctors and scientists will say that we're not entirely clear what causes it, but there actually is a good bit of research giving us pretty clear insights into known triggers, known factors, and things that we can do. The most common causes include the following that I'm going to share with you. First, let's talk about menstrual cycle skin changes. Acne is definitely tied to monthly hormonal fluctuations, explaining why over 80% of women with acne experience a premenstrual flare. Here's a weird fact. For some unknown reason, premenstrually, our pores actually get narrower. And this, along with increased sebum production, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, may create an environment leading to zit formation, bacterial proliferation, and surrounding inflammation. But it's unlikely that this pore tightening alone causes more than a zit now and then premenstrually. But combined with the factors that I'm going to share with you, it can definitely contribute to the problem of premenstrual acne flare-ups. One of the biggest culprits thought to be at play in the hormonal contribution to premenstrual acne are androgens. Androgens are a class of hormones that include testosterone, which we think of as a male hormone, but which women produce abundantly too. A major theory is that premenstrually increased androgen production causes increased sebum production, leading to acne. Women with elevated testosterone have a higher rate of converting testosterone into a more potent androgen called dihydrotestosterone, or DHT, which is associated with sebum production and potentially acne. But even women with normal androgen levels can have androgen-caused acne. How is that possible? Some women actually have normal androgen levels, but increased androgen sensitivity. So our systems and our skin are more highly sensitized or responsive to even that normal level of androgen. The most common cause of elevated androgens and also heightened androgen sensitivity is a condition called polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS, which many women don't even know they have. But even women without PCOS and who have normal androgen levels when measured may be more sensitive to androgens and as a result, more prone to acne. So what causes elevated androgens and androgen sensitivity? Several factors can lead to this, in fact, including stress, high estrogen levels, and something called insulin resistance in which your cells don't adequately respond to insulin in your bloodstream, leading to both higher levels of circulating insulin and higher levels of circulating blood sugar, which trigger the ovaries to produce more estrogen, uh, produce more testosterone. Each of those factors that I mentioned, in fact, causes the body to convert estrogen to increased amounts of testosterone or androgen. Another related hormone imbalance that could contribute to hormonal acne might be the combination of high estrogen in relationship to progesterone. Progesterone is naturally produced in the ovary after ovulation, and it has an inhibitory effect on that more potent estrogen, on that more potent androgen, DHT. But when estrogen is high, progesterone is less able to inhibit DHT, leading to more active DHT activity in the skin and acne as a result. So that's the androgen picture. 
Another contributing factor is inflammation. Inflammation is a natural process that protects our body from infection, invading organisms, and invading things like splinters or, you know, getting a piece of glass in your skin. And so some inflammation is an absolutely normal, healthy function of being a human being. Inflammation is also naturally heightened premenstrually as part of the natural process by which your body signals your uterus to shed your uterine lining beginning your period. But excess inflammation, which a lot of people struggle with, um, can trigger acne. And that can happen as a result of dietary factors that cause inflammation, microbiome and gut imbalances, environmental toxins, and even chronic stress. Higher than level normal levels of inflammation also play a role not just in hormonal acne, but PMS and period pain. Now, one of the biggest questions I get from women struggling with acne is, Dr. Aviva, what foods should I cut out? And for good reason, actually. There's a tremendous amount of confusion as to whether dietary factors do or don't cause acne, along with the latest diet trends all promising glowing skin, adding to the uncertainty. But some things are clear. Diet does play a role in hormonal acne. And we do know for a fact that low weekly consumption of fruits and vegetables low intake of fish, and higher intake of refined carbohydrates, which can lead to insulin resistance and inflammation, are all known triggers. I'll review diet and acne with you a little bit later in this chat together so I can give you more details on what to include and what to exclude that might really make a difference for you. Now, another contributing factor to hormonal acne are environmental factors. The reality is the environment we live in, the toxins we're exposed to, including herbicides, pesticides, BPA, BPS, and phthalates, the antibiotics we've had since we were kids, have all disrupted our gut microbiome and its ability to metabolize our hormones, contribute directly because they act as endocrine disruptors, and really can disrupt our hormones hormonal balance in ways that can directly contribute to acne. Along with that, cosmetic products contain many of those um, chemicals. They're very high, for example, in phthalates. But the regular use of skin and hair products that aren't necessarily the healthiest for us or that we're overusing are another factor that can lead to acne. It's thought that certain product ingredients may block follicles, leading to the slow development of acne over time. On top of that, like your gut, your skin has its own microbiome, influenced by both your inside and your outside environment. Topical products may interfere with your naturally occurring pH, your skin microflora, and all throw off the delicate balance in your skin, leading to the proliferation of certain types of bacteria that are commonly found in sebum-rich areas of the skin and are associated with acne. Let's also talk about stress. I mean, few of us are a stranger to stress causing a breakout, but several studies have shown that this correlation is very real. For example, a 2017 study showed that female medical students had an increase in acne severity during times of heightened stress. High levels of psychological stress actually increase androgen production, as well as causing increasing um, levels of insulin resistance because cortisol increases insulin resistance and stress can contribute to inflammation. 
Acne can also be ramped up by the adrenal hormone DHEAS, which is meant to buffer stress, act as an antidote to cortisol, and provide resilience. But it also happens to act similarly to testosterone and DHT in the body. So in an effort to protect you from the stress that you're under when you're producing more cortisol and adrenaline, your adrenals ramp up DHEAS production, but then sort of the the downside of that is that can be a contributor to hormonal acne. Having acne itself also seriously ramps up the stress for most women, especially when it's more than just a zit or two. So reducing stress, as I'm going to talk more about, is a win-win that can help you to reduce the vicious acne stress, acne stress cycle while helping you to feel happier too. Finally, one more contribution or potential contribution is smoking. While not all studies have proven a connection, and in fact, smoking can reduce estrogen levels because you tend to have less body fat, several studies have linked smoking to adult female acne, thought to be possibly due to the effects of nicotine on sebum production or something called keratinization. We also know that in general, smoking is really damaging to your skin. It increases wrinkling, premature skin aging due to the free radicals that smoking creates. So I'm sure if you're a smoker, you already know you need to quit, but this may help you with a why and having a why can really help um, your motivation and and success in quitting. So smoking and your skin, not such a good combination for healthy skin. Let's shift gears and talk about how to treat hormonal acne from the inside out based on what I just shared with you. There's clearly more to the hormone balance story and the acne story that most of us have ever been taught. Based on what we know about the root causes associated with the acne, I use the steps that I'm going to share with you in my medical practice to help my patients treat hormonal acne from the inside out. This approach supports the body's natural ability to balance hormones, reduces inflammation by removing dietary and environmental triggers, including stress, supports the body's natural detoxification processes, and focuses on specific foods, herbs, and supplements as well that can help provide a little bit of additional support. So this is a five-step process, and step one is eating for skin health. If you were to ask most dermatologists, they'd say there's no connection between what you eat and acne. This error in thinking and medical training has been debunked in the medical literature. There is a clear connection. The goals of eating for skin health are threefold. To balance your blood sugar to reduce insulin resistance, to eliminate excess inflammation, and to supply your body with the nutrients and important phytochemicals your body needs for both skin health and hormone balance. The healthiest diet for this is based on a Mediterranean style of eating that emphasizes plenty of daily whole fresh foods, vegetables, fruits, especially berries, which are loaded with healing phytochemicals, balanced amounts of protein from fish and legumes, especially, and healthy fats like those in fish, olive oil, and avocados, and slow burning carbs from whole grains and legumes. In my practice, I usually start my patients out with a 6-12 to week elimination diet to identify any personal triggers they may have while following the dietary recommendations and nutritional recommendations I'm about to share with you. The first one of which is to increase your veggies and fruit to 8 servings daily. Low weekly consumption of fruits and vegetables is 
associated in the medical literature with a higher risk of acne. So make sure to get those eight daily servings of produce. Also, be sure to emphasize foods rich in vitamin A. This nutrient plays an important role in skin health, which partly explains why some of the strongest and most effective skincare treatments are derived from vitamin A, like Retin-A. The two forms of vitamin A available in the diet are preformed vitamin A, retinol, and its esterified form, retinol ester, and provitamin A carotenoids. Preformed vitamin A is found in foods from animal sources like fish, eggs, and meat, and dairy as well, but we're going to talk about why we're skipping those for dairy for now in just a little bit. And by far, the most important provitamin A carotenoid is beta carotene, which is found abundantly in sweet potatoes, which are a mega source, carrots, broccoli, spinach, cantaloupe, squash, and apricots. So if nothing else, get a small sweet potato or a couple of these other sources into your diet regularly, daily. You want to really include these daily. The next thing you want to do, or simultaneously, is increase your omega-3s. Low omega-3 intake and high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is associated with hormonal acne and inflammation. You can reduce your omega-3s by eliminating vegetable oils from your diet other than olive oil, and increase your omega-3s by adding healthful, low-mercury fatty fish three times each week to your diet, and also adding walnuts, chia, and flax seeds. This helps prevent and reverse inflammation, a major driver of hormonal acne. And of note, sardines and salmon are the richest of the omega-3 fish that are also the lowest in mercury. If you don't eat fish, take an omega-3 supplement, either fish oil, if you're willing to do that, or an algae-based supplement, which can give you those rich omega-3s. You also want to think about bumping up your diet with a multivitamin. While we'd ideally get everything we need from our diet, sometimes we need to bridge the gap between our diets and what's actually optimal and what we really need. There are a few nutrients that are also especially important for your skin that you can add to your diet, um, which largely you'll get in a multivitamin, um, and these include selenium, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and zinc, all of which been associated when you're low in them with increased acne and acne severity, and when you get enough of them, reducing acne and acne severity. Vitamin B6, or pyridoxine, is also specifically helpful for treating premenstrual acne, whether or not you have PCOS. The dose is 50 milligrams daily. So increase your fruits and vegetables, add fish to your diet, bump up your nutrients with a multi, you may need a separate vitamin D. Usually 2,000 units a day is, is perfect, and most multivitamins don't have that much. In addition to the foods that you've added, go ahead and add seeds to your diet. They're an incredibly beneficial source for overall hormone balance. Not only do seeds like pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, and sunflower seeds help reduce insulin resistance, but they eliminate excess hormones that contribute to acne. They also provide healthy fat and quality protein to keep your blood sugar balanced and avoid sugar binges that can make acne worse. Speaking of which, you do want to pass on sugar and refined carbs. Insulin resistance and high glycemic index foods, meaning foods that have more sugar in them than they have fat, protein, or nutrients, which when you eat, jack up your blood sugar pretty quickly, um, create a highly inflammatory state. 
Insulin resistance and eating high glycemic foods are probably the two most scientifically and clinically associated factors with acne, so much so that you can kind of think of acne as a metabolic condition in some women. Refined sugar, empty carbs, things like pasta or white flour pasta, muffins and donuts, etc., and soft drinks are among the worst culprits. Removing sugar and getting your carbs only from whole grains, legumes, and vegetables helps to balance your blood sugar, reduce inflammation, reverse insulin resistance, and improve acne in doing so. So ixne, the sugar, and the refined carbs. Another thing that I usually take out of the diet with my patients is dairy. Dairy products may contribute to acne, likely due to growth factors and hormones inherent in dairy products, even in organic ones, but more so conventionally produced dairy products because they have those added to them. And there's an insulin insulin triggering effect that happens with dairy consumption. One large study, a meta-analysis, found an especially strong connection between acne and milk consumption, whether it was whole milk, low-fat, or skim milk, but not yogurt intake. Even still, I recommend skipping all dairy while trying to get to the root causes of your acne. So what about chocolate? Chocolate has generally not been found to cause acne in most studies. It's still important to avoid sugar, which if you eat like milk chocolate, can have a lot of sugar in it. But if you eat a good quality dark chocolate version, say 62% or more, or ideally even 72% or more, you can actually relax about the chocolate because the chocolate itself doesn't seem to be the problem. Just don't overdo it. And if you do find it to be a personal trigger, opt for a happier, (laughs) opt for happier skin over the chocolate for right now and find, you know, another something, something that you like that's satisfying for you. So that was step one, eating for hormone health. Let's talk about step two, removing triggers. In addition to dietary triggers, this is a real opportunity to take a close look at environmental exposure to endocrine disruptors that you might be getting that may be contributing to hormone imbalances, inflammation, overwhelming your detoxification system, and causing acne. So here are some things you can do, just a few simple things. One, start by swapping out your skincare products to include only natural, fragrance-free options. You can use the Environmental Working Group's Skin Deep Cosmetic Database as a reference. Just go to EWG Skin Deep. You'll pull it up on the internet. Or visit online companies like Folane and Credo, which offer a variety of only healthier skincare products to choose from in a range of prices. I know that cost can be expensive when it comes to going all natural and all organic with your skincare products. So start with the products that you're most likely to slather over more of your skin, right? Like your eyebrow pencil or your mascara could be contributing to a problem, but how much of that are you really absorbing compared to your soap, your shampoo, which you put over your scalp, it also runs down your back and chest, your body lotion, and anything like foundation that you might use. So the things that cover large areas of skin, change those first. When it does come to makeup, wear less makeup. Wear it less often and cleanse at the end of the day using water or a gentle light cleanser from a company like Osea Malibu, which makes really clean products. And I don't have any financial relationship to any of these companies whatsoever. 
Reduce your exposure to toxins in our food system also by choosing organic produce over conventionally grown whenever possible and always choose organic for meats, eggs, and dairy. Although right now you're not going to be using dairy. And if you do smoke, as I mentioned, that's a big trigger, right? So use this as extra motivation to quit. And then finally, if you do wear, um, if you are sensitive to UV light, UV light, sun exposure, can be a a big trigger for an acne flare. So wear a sun hat when you go out in the sun and wear a good quality organic sunscreen. Again, that's something that's gonna go over a wide area of your skin. So invest in a good one. I like the one that's by Juice Beauty. You can even get it on Amazon. It's relatively affordable compared to a lot of them. It works great and it's a really um, good clean product. Again, no personal financial investment in that uh, or uh, relationship. So let's get to step three, support your gut. GI symptoms, including bloating and constipation, are 37% more likely for those who struggle with acne and may play a role in acne for many more women than that than have been studied. Your gut is central to most every system in the body, including hormone balance. One of the ways that um, your gut plays such a major role in hormone balance is through a very specific subset of your microbiome called the estrobilome. These are microorganisms whose job it is to keep estrogen in balance. When your microbiome is out of balance, called dysbiosis, it no longer performs its hormone-regulating functions optimally or properly. Further, microbiome disruptions and a phenomenon called leaky gut can each lead to inflammation, insulin resistance, higher blood sugar, and as you've learned, all of these contribute to acne. On top of that, um, you can have leaky gut that causes increased food sensitivities, um, increased depression. It can be a culprit in a lot of um, additional symptoms. And there is a relationship between gut imbalances, including both microbiome disruption and leaky gut and PCOS. So what can you do? You want to support your gut by eating a diverse, fiber-rich, organic, whole foods diet with eight servings of veggies and or veggies and fruit daily, not weekly, daily, plus whole grains and legumes at least several times a week. Legumes are like lentils and garbanzo beans to nourish and support the growth of healthy gut flora. Also, Make sure to add a daily dose, even if it's just a few tablespoons, several times a week is, is great if you don't do it every day, of gut-healthy lacto-fermented foods, including sauerkraut, kimchi, cashew, or coconut yogurt into your diet. For extra support or for more moderate to severe acne, also consider adding in a probiotic with Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG, that's the species, You want to get 3 billion colony forming units a day orally for 12 weeks, which has been shown to improve adult acne by modulating insulin signaling in the skin. Healthy gut, healthy hormones, happy skin. And again, remember, you don't have to have that memorized. You just head over to avivaram.com forward slash 144. You'll see that name, Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG, and the dose right in the article. Step four is supporting natural detoxification. 
Your liver is also a part of your digestive system. As part of a traditional approach to skin healing, which herbalists have always included, I feel it's important to support the natural hormone detoxification processes that occur in the liver. To give your liver some love, you can incorporate bitter leafy greens into your diet daily like kale. It's an easy one, but a lot of markets now also sell organic dandelion greens, which are like the queen of bitter greens. And you can also use supporting bitter herbs like tinctures or Swedish bitters that contain things like dandelion root, yellow dock root, burdock root, artichoke, milk thistle, and Oregon grape root. Even though they're bitter, they actually can taste strangely delicious if you put like a couple of squeezes of the dropper into some sparkling water. And it makes a really nice tasty um, beverage that you can sip after your meal or during your meal to really get your digestive juices going, but which also support those liver detoxification um, pathways. When you support your liver detoxification, you also are taking the burden off of the skin which is your body's largest detoxification organ. Finally, step five, address the stress. It's really important for all of us to intentionally de-stress every day by taking some time to pause, breathe, relax, and do some self-care. In case you haven't been putting any self-love into your daily calendar, here's a reminder of some of the ways that you can do that. Meditation, even if just for 15 minutes, one or two times a day, Look, I am not a sit on my my yoga mat and like or sit on a pillow and meditate kind of gal. It's just not how I roll. I like to do my meditation like 15 minutes when I wake up in the morning, 15 minutes when I'm going to bed at night. And it's not even like let me meditate right now. I wake up in the morning before I open my eyes, I take some deep breaths. I slow my mind before my mind gets into the role of like, oh my gosh, this is what I've got to do today. Let me get, you know, all agitated and get going. And then similarly before bed, I do some wind down time. So I've tried to shut electronics at least 30 30 minutes before I get into bed, get into bed, read an analog book. Remember those with paper, I have a little clip lamp or you can keep a lamp next to your bed, read for a little bit. As you start to get sleepy, shut the book intentionally, close your eyes, do some deep breathing, and that can be great for lulling you into sleep. You don't have to measure 15 minutes. If it's five minutes and you're doing it twice a day, that's phenomenal. Speaking of sleep, getting better sleep is really important for our stress response. When we don't sleep well, we're irritable, we're tired, we're cranky, we're more stressed. We also go after what? More sugar, more caffeine, more carbs, right? To give ourselves energy. So try hitting the pillow 30 minutes earlier than usual and try if you're just going to do one thing, have no electronic devices that you're looking at, touching, scrolling through within the 30 minutes before you go to bed. Yoga is phenomenal. Any exercise is phenomenal for, for your stress levels. Exercise in general is good for your circulation. It reduces inflammation. It reduces insulin resistance. It's good for hormone balance and stress, which is like an amazing combo healing package, right? You get all those things in one. So any exercise that you really love that's nourishing for you is great. And yoga, interestingly, has been found to not only reduce stress, but to actually help women improve hormone balance. So I'm a big fan, make yoga one or you know once or twice a week a part of your Um, routine. And of course, there's plenty of streaming online down free yoga on the internet and then paid yoga subscriptions. One great way to get exercise, if you don't love to actually deliberately exercise, is to spend time in nature. 
any time in nature, whether you're walking, sitting, breathing, just listening, laying down, looking up at the sky, is healing. It calms the nervous system down. The blue of the sky, the green of the leaves, those are therapeutic on a very deep biological level. Also being out in an outdoor space, it expands your field of vision and is relaxing compared to that very concentrated field of vision most of us are using all day long, especially if you're on a screen all day long. So take time in nature, and it's a great way if you like to hike or just walk, that gives you the double benefit of exercise and time outdoors at the same time. Remember to laugh. You know, we can get really serious, and these are pretty serious times we're in right now. So laughter, alone. I've been known to laugh out loud. I, I made these um, I made these almond joys about two weeks ago on a Sunday. My husband loves these organic almond joys. So they're really easy. They're like five ingredients, basically. It's maple syrup, a little bit of coconut oil, um, coconut flakes, and then you kind of pack those into a little you mix that all together and you pack them into little logs. And then you take an almond and you put one on each almond, you know, an almond on each one and you you pop them in the fridge. They get hard for like 15 minutes and then you take them out and then you dip them in melted chocolate. Well, I was dipping them in melted chocolate, but I was in a rush and I didn't melt my chocolate well. And so instead of getting nice and creamy and smooth, I did it in a cast iron pan, which you should never do with chocolate. And it's not a good way to melt chocolate. And it got kind of like almost on the edge of overdone, but I'm like, you know, I'm trooping through, you know, taking a break from my book edits, which I was having to finish on a Sunday and made this like lovely treat for my partner who had just helped me with all my book edits. And you guys, I lost it. I mean, I was looking at these with the melted chocolate, badly melted chocolate, and they literally looked just like poop logs on the platter. It was seriously like a poo-poo platter. And I was bent over my kitchen counter laughing so hard, I almost couldn't breathe. Tears were pouring down my face. I was laughing. I was laughing so hard that I had gone into silent laughter. So my husband had no idea. I was, I was just like losing it in the kitchen. And then, of course, I took pictures and sent them to all my friends and my daughters and my, my son. And just everybody was like, oh, wow, they really do look pretty bad. Moral of the story, I did take them off the platter and put them on a nice plate. And they looked great and they were delicious. But point being, laughter, I felt so great after that. I mean, I just hadn't laughed that hard in a while. And I was laughing completely alone. Now, laughing with friends is really great. Or a comedy, just put on a comedy if you're stressed out. I've been known to put on James Corden, just, you know, the um, riding in cars with, you know, the car karaoke one, just to um, just to laugh. I love those. It's good for immunity. It's good for inflammation. And it's good for your mood. And all of that makes it good for your skin. A couple more things you can do. One are to actually include relaxing herbs into your lifestyle. I'm an herbalist, right? So including herbs in my lifestyle is sort of just like, a natural go-to, the way somebody would drink water if they were thirsty or eat if they were hungry, I go to herbs when there's a little need for a little bit extra support and healing. It's just part of it. And also just part of like daily support. So you can include relaxing herbs like lavender, chamomile, and lemon balm in tea or tinctures. You can use stress-reducing nutrients like B-complex and magnesium or uh, something called L-theanine, which is an extract from green tea that's relaxing and quite safe. And you can use adaptogens like ashwagandha, reishi, and holy basil, which I talk about abundantly over at my website. And you can even get a free ebook on adaptogens for women over at my website. 
All of these can help reduce stress and improve calm, while adaptogens are also hormone balancing, anti-inflammatory, and improve insulin resistance. Finally, get support, particularly if you have moderate to severe acne. As I've mentioned a few times, having acne can have a really tough impact on your emotional, mental, and social well-being. You already know that, but I want to, if you're experiencing, but I really wanted to acknowledge that. You're not being overreactive. You're not being like hyper self-critical. This is a real cultural phenomenon. Women with severe acne, women with hair loss, another area where we're judged so heavily in our culture can experience depression, rage, um, can be really, really bad. And if you have severe acne, people can be really cruel. Also, one of my patients um, at her first appointment that she came to me for severe acne told her that she had had several incidences where she was in a grocery store or a pharmacy and a woman would come up to her and give her unsolicited advice about what she could do for her acne. And while the woman was probably well-meaning and, you know, one, one of them, I remember she said, oh, my daughter really suffered with that. And here's what she did that helped. I mean, it just draws attention that everyone can see it and it makes you feel like just crawling under a rock. In fact, my patient would often have periods of time where she would just stay at home for a week and would sometimes cancel work because she just couldn't, couldn't face herself in the mirror, literally. So, you know, if you're struggling with acne and it's causing emotional and and cognitive disruption for you at that level, social disruption, you're not alone. You're not weak. There's nothing wrong with you. This is a real, real phenomenon of struggling with something that's causing you distress. um, And also that being no pun intended mirrored back in the world in so many ways. So get help, get help from someone who you trust, um, a counselor, a therapist who you can talk to and who can support you with it. And it's also important and and totally great if you can set boundaries. You know, somebody, it's like when you're pregnant and people come up to you and they're like, I don't know, they have license to tell you their worst ever birth story. Like, what is that? And when you have acne, it's not someone's license to come up and tell you how they treated their acne. So, you know, you can be kind and say, like, I really appreciate your, you know, your thoughtfulness, but I really, I got this and I really, this is very uncomfortable and I really don't want to engage about this, you know, however you feel inclined to say it. Um, There's a great book called Not Nice by Assis, his first name is Assis, and I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, sorry, but Not Nice. And if you struggle with setting boundaries for yourself, it's a a really great book to listen to. If you struggle with self-esteem, it's also really helpful for that reason. So how long does it take to treat hormonal acne when you take this more, um, ecosystems approach. You can actually notice changes as quickly as within one cycle. It's important to say that the jury is out for at least eight to 12 weeks to really start to even see the benefits if you don't see them immediately. Hormones build on each other incrementally over cycles. So if you have high androgens this month, they're probably not going to just be normal the next month. Or if you're androgen sensitive, that might not go away in one cycle. If you're insulin resistant, that may take a few cycles to clear up. Inflammation can take some cycles. So give yourself some time. It takes a minute to resolve inflammation, to balance your blood sugar, and to reset your hormone balance. But as your hormone balance improves, so should your skin. So what about conventional hormonal acne treatments? You know, unlike a lot of people in this sort of so-called wellness space, or you know, functional or integrative medicine, I don't polarize. I don't feel like we should be judged, um, like that we're better if we only do the integrative way or that we've somehow failed or aren't committed if you 
go and do the birth control because that's what you find, you know, a low progesterone birth control helps your acne. Um, and, or low, sorry, a low, there are some progesterones that convert highly to testosterone and some that don't. So that's what I meant, a low testosterone converting progesterone. I also don't believe that if you take a birth control pill for a while, you're going to end up with like life, the likelihood of lifelong hormonal problems. Yes, it can happen. And I talk a lot about oral contraception and the risks and what we should know. But there's also a time and place for conventional hormone therapy. When is that time and place? Conventional hormone acne treatment is indicated if you feel you need it. There's no medical reason to use it, right? It's not like we're not treating something that if you don't treat it medically, you're going to get some horrible um, medical consequences. It's a personal choice. But if you're at the point of trying pharmaceuticals, there's no shame in that. While I would love you to try natural remedies first, if you're not seeing improvement after a reasonable amount of time, three months, four months, five months, six months, you know, however long you feel like you can give it, or if severe hormonal acne is taking a toll on your quality of life, other treatments can really make a difference. And if you're at that point, I do start, I recommend starting with topical treatments like topical retinoids, azelaic um, acid, benzoyl peroxide, et cetera, which are generally safe topical options. Struggling with hormonal acne can affect all aspects of your life, your well-being, and you shouldn't have to feel resigned to living with the emotional toll it carries. While it can take time, Treating hormonal acne from the inside out as your hormones find their natural happy balance will allow your skin to truly heal. But no matter what, know that you really, truly are beautiful. This is Dr. Aviva Ram. This is Natural MD Radio, episode 144. Thank you for listening. If you have loved this, please make sure to subscribe, leave a wonderful comment, and share the podcast with a friend or family member or colleague that you know would also love it and benefit. If you are looking for supplements, I do not personally sell supplements directly. It's a commitment that I have to making sure that you know that there's always integrity in the information that I deliver to you, which is also why you'll never hear sponsors on my podcast for anything. Right now, we don't have any sponsors at all because we want to just keep it really clear that way, but I will never have sponsors for supplements, things that you use as, you know, medicines. Um, but I do have a relationship with a company called Fullscript, and you can read about that relationship over at my website, avivaram.com. You can look in the more for you tab in the navigation tab, or you can scroll to the bottom of my homepage or look in any of my sidebars on my articles pages, um, where you'll find how to access that. When you access supplements at Fullscript, you are getting the same quality supplements that I use in my medical practice with my patients, but also for my friends and my family. Um, you always get 20% off on those supplements and the, a portion of the proceeds, a substantial portion of the proceeds goes to work that I do in a nonprofit arm of my business to support individuals who are seeking to um, reduce maternal mortality, infant mortality, especially in high-risk communities like um, those for Black Indigenous women of color. Finally, if you found this information helpful and you want more, be sure to go over to my website, avivaram.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K, avivaram.com forward slash book. 
and grab your copy of my free seven-day hormone intelligence quick start guide and seven-day meal plan when you pre-order or order, depending on when you're listening to it, this episode, my book, Hormone Intelligence. Everyone who pre-orders it gets a free seven-day hormone intelligence quick start guide and seven-day meal plan. If you've already purchased the book and you didn't pre-order it through my website, that's okay. Just grab your receipt number, go over to my website at that um, URL, and just put that receipt number into the little space for that, and you'll get into an email queue that will get you those gifts. I hope this has been really helpful. I hope this brings you into a healing journey for your skin that you can feel really confident in, gets you the results that you're seeking, and helps you just feel at home in your body. I'll see you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.